0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. It's time to play like a jet
1: with your host, Scott Mason. Play like
0: a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Those go into the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones, Wilson looking into zone wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis down the middle. He's got it. Elijah Moore, the twenty, the ten, the five, touchdown! Jones had just caught flat footed. What an excellent, excellent route. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know what? Listen.
1: thank you from the play like a jet.com digital studio this is play like a jet my name is scott mason you can follow me on twitter at play like a jet one and it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag so for that we bring in our friend who is the editor over at jetnation.com and co-host of Jet Nation Radio, Mr. Glenn Naughton. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Godson5. He says, for overall psyche of the player and team, who needs to hit the ground running for training camp more, Wilson or Becton? I really don't want to hear Lawson is abusing Beckton during camp again this year. Understandable, nobody wants to hear that Although it would be good news for Lawson And it would make you feel more confident That he's back to where he was last year before the injury I think Wilson is the key here Because Wilson is the driver of everything As important as Becton is Wilson looking great in camp and giving the team confidence that he's going to go into this season and turn it around from his poor rookie year is really what it's all built around. They were trying to build around the quarterback. They've made that clear. They've put all these pieces around him. They want him to be more confident. They want him to take that next step. So as important as Becton is, Wilson is even more important. So if you're hearing that Wilson is kicking butt in training camp, That is going to be an enormous lift for the team and for the fan base who's really been looking to hear some good news about Zach Wilson.
0: I think for me, it's I would say Becton because I I think Becton, and I've said this before, I I can't recall a time. And of course, this this isn't to downplay the importance of Wilson, but I don't recall a time when an offensive lineman um, where there was more importance to his health. Uh, to a team being successful because you know when we go back and watch those rookie year clips of Becton you, we realize how good he can be and you, you put him on a line with a, with a, a stud like Lakin Tomlinson with a guy like ABT like that Becton's health gives this unit the potential to be a top 10 O-line which would allow Zach Wilson to maybe you know to make a couple more mistakes to need that, that extra split second to make a play because the O-line would be intact and playing well. So and also the fact that, you know, if if Wilson struggles a little bit early on me personally, I can live with that because there's so much more to playing that position. He's surrounded by so many, you know, there are so many new faces in that huddle. So I expect some hiccups early on. Um, Becton is a guy where he's got to get there. He's got to get healthy and he's got to show from day one that he's ready to go. And uh, I think his health will be such a huge factor for the offense as a whole this season.
1: Next question comes in from the Manton187. He says, Who do you think is the most important player on defense this year? And which defensive player do you think it's most important takes a leap in 2022? Most important? It's a tough call, but I guess I'd go with Carl Lawson because we saw how much trouble the Jets had when they had nobody off the edge last year. He needs to stay healthy and be an impactful player this year. He's incredibly important, and we'll see what ends up happening with him. He was looking really good in training camp until he got hurt last year. They really need him to be the guy that they thought they were getting when they signed him in free agency last year. As far as most important to take the leap, I think unquestionably that's Quinn and Williams, not only for the team but for him. But they need him to become that dominant interior player presence that they thought they were getting when they picked him at number three. And I think that he's shown you at times that he can be that guy. He just needs to be consistent about it. He needs to stay healthy and not just for the team, but also for himself, because if he doesn't do that, he's not going to get that big
0: contract extension. Carl Lawson is the no brainer in the group. You know, he's he's the most established guy in terms of potential edge rushers that they have. And they absolutely need that. Um, And just so that I'm not stealing both of your answers. Um, I'm going to go with Quincy Williams at, at linebacker that the team likes him I, you know according to uh I think it was uh Connor Connor Hughes or somebody who tweeted out that they really love their linebackers they didn't really address it in the draft so they're high on the guy you know he, he's one he, he's a, he's a highlight guy you know he makes these unbelievable hits that knock guys sideways but then at the same time he misses opportunities to make plays in the pass game and uh you know he gets a little over over aggressive at times and and misses some tackles but he's a guy that if if they can get him playing you know in, with a little more control and a, and a little bit more awareness i think the you know his physical traits you do see that when, when he makes a play when he's in the right place at the right time he can be a devastating defender and um if they can get him to be a, a more well-rounded player then he'd be the guy you know he I, I would say you know funny that it's his brother that you picked you know quinnon is obviously the the more important but i'm gonna go with quincy just to just to not steal both your answers there scott Play
1: like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Next question comes in from Matt Lee. He says, What can Jets fans expect from Denzel Mims this season? And do you think he will score his first career touchdown? Denzel Mims is a tough one because feel like at this point, you're playing with house money. If you get anything from him, it's an added bonus. You sort of, in your mind, have to write him off. I know we've heard stories about how he's in great shape, and he's looking good, and they think he's going to finally be a contributor this year. It's just such a puzzling journey that he's been on, Glenn, because he's a player who we all loved coming out of Baylor. In fact, we were stunned that he was still available after they traded down to the very end of the second round. They got him. Everybody thought it was a huge bargain. Then he missed a significant portion of his rookie year with an injury, comes back, plays pretty well down the stretch. He had some nice plays, really gave you some hope for his second season. And then his second year, everything just went wrong. He got hurt. He got sick. He fell behind learning the playbook. He was having trouble catching up. Then when he finally got in after everybody was wondering why he wasn't getting any playing time, he ends up dropping everything that got thrown his way to the point where you looked at the Jets and said, if Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims had become what you thought, that could have been the one-two punch for a long time. Now, you look at Elijah Moore and knock on wood, if he stays healthy, he looks like he could be a real difference maker in that offense. But with Denzel Mims, you had to consider him a lost cause, at least on paper. If he gives you anything, then it's an added bonus. But that's why the Jets had to go out and try to either trade for a receiver or end up drafting Garrett Wilson at number 10. If Denzel Mims had turned into the player they were expecting, they probably wouldn't have had to do that. So with Mims... Could he catch his first touchdown pass? Yes. It's also possible that he either gets released or traded for a low-level draft pick before the season even starts. So at this point, what do I expect from him? I don't really expect anything. I'm hoping that he turns into at least something close to the player that they were expecting he would be when they drafted him out of Baylor. But as far as I'm concerned, anything they get from him at this point is just added value because I've written him off in my mind.
0: Yeah, it's and listen, you and I and a lot of a lot of fans, but you and I were, were vocal early last year. We didn't get why he wasn't playing. Um, by no means a Mims hater. I, I love the pick. I, I was screaming, "Why wasn't he playing last year?" You already laid out what happened once he got on the field. It was an absolute disaster. My expectation is that he will see a high volume of targets in the preseason, um, with the goal of either developing or showcasing him. Um, kind of it's like sink or swim. We're going to give you a bunch of targets. If you make some plays, maybe you hang around. Or if you make some plays, um, you still aren't a great fit for the offense. So we're going to deal you for, as you said, um, a day three pick. So it's, it's frustrating because the guy has so much talent. Expectations were so high. Um, and I it, again, it's kind of like what we were saying about Zach Wilson earlier. I don't know how you project, how you jump from nine touchdowns to 40 in a year. Um, so projecting from, you know, guy who couldn't get on the field Um, did nothing but drop balls and and, and commit penalties and project that to a very productive following season. It's highly unlikely. So my guess is low level production or showcase for a trade.
1: Next question comes in from Jets Payne. He says, any idea of where all three wide receivers will start? I'm assuming Wilson will be wide receiver one, Davis will be wide receiver two, and more will be in the slot. I think they're going to mix it up. Because you can play all three of those guys outside and Moore and Wilson can both play in the slot. So I think they're going to mess around with it a bit. You'll see Braxton Berrios with some trick plays. And as we just talked about with Denzel Mims, hopefully he gets to the point where he plays well enough in training camp that he impresses them so that they actually want to use him during games and they throw him in there a little bit. But I wouldn't really concern myself about where they play because there's a lot of versatility there. And I think that LaFleur will get creative.
0: Exactly. That was the point I was going to make is LaFleur. Um, you know, we saw how how creative he likes to get last year. Now all you've done is add more versatile weapons to that offense. And I think we're going to see guys lined up all over the place. I don't think it's going to be any one or two guys primarily lining up in in one specific spot on the field.
1: Next question comes from Peter Normandia. He says, for the first time in forever, the Jets have the offensive chess pieces – To game plan specific to the opponent Will this be an advantage to a young Quarterback or more challenging due to The different sets and plays each Week no I think it's going to be A major advantage obviously it'll be more Challenging because Mike LaFleur And Zach Wilson will have to be on their toes And really get down and dirty With the game plan and The film and drawing everything out And if you go ahead and listen to a couple Of the shows that I did about Zach Wilson before The draft last year you'll know that He used to get together with his offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, and draw up the game plan together with him. They were almost like co-offensive coordinators. I don't know that LaFleur is going to have Wilson do that, but I do think that Wilson will be heavily involved in the process. And so, yes, it'll be more challenging, but ultimately it's going to be an enormous advantage for Wilson to have more weapons and to be able to do more things from week to week. And as you said, be able to game plan and have those offensive chess pieces that change from week to week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's going to be every single every single week. They're going to have more more options to work with. And, you know, by all accounts, Wilson's a smart kid. So if, if he's if he's as dedicated as we're hearing and he's going to spend the amount of time he is with his guys, with his coordinator and and being able to to match up or, you know, hopefully exploit the weaknesses and other teams defenses. That's the point you want to get to on offense. And it's a point for years. The Jets just haven't had the personnel to do that. So with this group they have on board now, as you know, we, as I, you know, I mentioned Hall earlier, but you have two running backs who can line up wide and catch the ball out of the backfield or out of the slot. So you have a lot of guys who can who can you know make things happen on offense. So that's you know creating mismatches is the name of the game, and they should be able to do some of that.
1: Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He says, "Do you see the challenge facing Robert Sala and Joe Douglas to cut this roster down to fifty three? It's a great and novel problem for the Jets to have. But who gets dropped from the seventeen defensive linemen, the safeties, wide receivers, etc." And there might be one or two additions which could completely complicate things. What are your thoughts? Like I said before, I think guys like Chuma Adoga are probably going to be on thin ice, especially if they're able to go out and get a veteran. It is an interesting problem to have. I think there are some guys that could be relegated to the practice squad or outright released that have been contributors in the past. I'd have to really sit down and look at the list of names and sort of try to come up with a mock 53-man roster But it is definitely the most complete roster that they've had in a long time. I'm not trying to sit here and say that it's an amazing roster or that it's some sort of contending roster. But it's the first time that I can remember in quite a while where, as you said, it's going to be some sort of problem to actually cut down to 53. Because there are quite a few talented players here that maybe would have stuck on worse rosters but
0: might not make it this time. Yeah, that was sort of um uh, just for the first time the other day just just uh, as, as an exercise and I was bored. I was sitting around and I thought let me try to throw a 53 together. I don't even think I finished it. I was like I said, I was just killing some time. But when I got to the D line, that's that was and I actually think I tweeted it out. I was like the Jets have 17 D linemen, who stays, who goes? Cuz there are some guys on this roster who in past years would probably be starters and this year they're not going to make the cut. Um so it's it's going to be interesting and like I said, having having just looked over it the other day, I realize that they are going to have some tough decisions to make at a few positions. You know, like I look at a guy now, here's a guy who who probably won't amount to anything, may not do anything, but like, I like the fact that they brought Lawrence Cager back and had him add 15, 20 pounds of muscle and try to move him to tight end. And I think, well, even if that works, how many tight ends are you carrying? You signed two, you drafted one. Um, they liked what they saw from your last year. Maybe he ends up being an odd man out, but I think, I think they've added some guys that are gonna that have that have made these rooms awfully crowded. And as you said, this isn't no nobody's saying this is a Super Bowl roster, but there's enough talent on there now that there are gonna be much harder cuts than there have been in years past.
1: Another question from JP Waxer. He says, How can the following two things be true at the same time? The Jets have spent top five money on the offensive line and defensive line this year, but yet they still have tremendous financial flexibility going forward. I thought the contracts were all backloaded. I'm confused. I think it was just smart contract construction by Joe Douglas, where he was able to put together units that are highly paid, but as you said, it's backloaded, so they have financial flexibility in other areas where guys are coming off the books when they have to pay some of these other players at different positions. It's mixing and matching, and I think that it was actually a really wise way to put the contracts together. And remember, Joe Douglas, he comes from the Ravens, but he did also learn at the feet of Howie Roseman, who, for all his faults, is excellent with contracts.
0: Yeah, and and another big uh, factor in there, Scott, is the fact that the Jets have gone from one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of, of uh, dead money mm-hmm. to one of the best. Yep. Um, that alone, yep. I think, has freed up 15 or $16 million. So that, without cutting a single player, you they added $15 million in cap space, um, and that's off the top of my head. That may not be the exact number. But yeah, adding that type of money through through ridding yourself of of dead money, while at the same time backloading these deals, is what allows you to bring in guys with with big cat with big contracts without sort of uh, drowning yourself in in uh, in cap debt.
1: Next question comes in from Tim. He says, forgetting about the ultimate results and understanding that at the time you wouldn't have known how the draft would play out. Would you have done anything differently than what Joe Douglas did with those first few picks? (laughs) This is an interesting exercise. Yes, I would have. And again, the way it turned out, I probably wouldn't have. But at the time, I would have. Because as you said, I wouldn't have known how everything was going to happen. So I would have gone Gardner at four and Jermaine Johnson at 10. And then I would have tried to either trade back into the first round for a receiver or stayed at 35 and grab one there. The guy I really like was Sky Moore, who I think is going to be absolutely nasty in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. So if the Jets had gotten Sky Moore at 35, along with Jermaine Johnson and Sauce Gardner, I would have been pretty happy with that. And then at 38, I would have looked to see who was on the board. I might have taken a defensive player or even traded down and tried to take a running back. I really like Isaiah Spiller a lot. So that was the guy that I was honing in on. I wasn't expecting the Jets to take a running back that early. Although, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy with Brees Hall. And I've said many times why, because I love that idea of using the Seattle formula where Brees Hall plays the Marshawn Lynch role and Zach Wilson gets to play more of that Game manager role as he continues to develop and hopefully become a really good quarterback the way that Russell Wilson did in Seattle. So that's what I probably would have done. And then at 69, I would have looked at the board and seen who is available, possibly would have gone tight end there as well, which is what the Jets ended up doing when they traded back. Might have used that pick to grab a running back, might have picked a defensive player. I'd have to go back and look and see who is available or who I would have had in my mind for those particular spots. But yeah, that's what I would have done differently. I wouldn't have drafted Garrett Wilson at 10. I would have gone with Jermaine Johnson. But obviously, this is why Joe Douglas gets paid the big bucks because he was able to navigate it in a way where he got both players. And I don't think anybody could be upset with that. Even somebody like me who really wanted them to get a pass rusher and a corner, they went out and were able to do that. And they got a guy in Jermaine Johnson who was one of the top pass rushers in the draft. And they did it without having to give up the farm, despite what some of the analytics guys have to say about it. So for them to go out and be able to do that, much better than what I would have done in the moment. And so kudos to Joe Douglas for that.
0: Uh, me personally, the, 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 the big name that I wanted... Uh, actually, two guys who I really liked. Um, one went earlier than I thought, so he would have been gone. That was um, that was Jahan Dodson out of Penn State. But his teammate, Arnold Epikati, who ended up going in the second round, I thought he would go in the first. Um, he's a guy I probably would have targeted late. Jermaine Johnson, as you said, though, Scott, because I, I was a big fan of double dipping. I was glad they went with Michael Clemens because I wanted two edge guys in this class. Um, I would have liked Johnson and Epikati. As it turns out, they get Johnson and Clemens. I probably, I too, I think I had Johnson mocked at 10 um, at one point. So I, I would have done that. The And another thing is I, I, a couple of guys that fell, um, I would have, you know, as, as the draft was wearing on, I started to wonder, are the Jets going to give up a, a six or a seven next year to jump in this year and grab a guy like Jesse Lucchetta who went in round seven? And I swear I'm not a Penn State guy. I just realized I mentioned three Penn State guys. Um, but the, they, they had a really good class, but also uh, – uh, I think Yeah, those are the three I would go with. I I would have wanted to get Eva Cady. Dotson, of course, was gone. And I would have liked to have seen them, you know, add a a day three pick to get a guy like Jesse Lucchetta, who I think can play a few different spots effectively on defense.
1: That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Visit playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel to check out everything we're doing over there. The Thunder from down under Luke Grant has got some great All-22 breakdowns of all the Jets draft picks. Plus, he just did a review of Zach Wilson's Improvement After he came back from injury last year, watch all the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers Quinn Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's tee And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com